a surprise party? Do you do that in Ireland? Yeah. You ever planned a surprise party? It takes a lot of, of, of forethought. It takes a lot of planning, maybe some, some secrecy. Everybody's in on a secret. My very favorite surprise party we ever threw was for my wife. It was a, it was a bridal shower. Um, I don't know if you do, do you do bridal showers here? This is a bride. We're going to give a bunch of gifts to the bride. And so we were in Richmond, Virginia, which is just, just north of where we are in North Carolina. It's about a five-hour drive from Virginia to North Carolina. Her parents were in Virginia. And we were finishing up lunch. We had gone to church that day. We're finishing up lunch. And, uh, and we changed clothes. We were getting ready to drive the five hours back to North Carolina, so much so that, that we said our goodbyes and we changed clothes at the restaurant. Now, we got in the car to drive back to North Carolina, and I had a sudden memory. Now, I didn't want to lie to my wife, so I didn't tell her I forgot my Bible. But I told her, I, I, I remember I left my Bible on your mom's nightstand. And then to try to put in the hook to, to make it her idea, I said, do you think we should get her to mail it to us, or should we just pull on by and pick it up? Now, if she had said mail it, I'd have said, well, aren't we close? I would have found a way to get there. But she said, no, let's, let's go on by there and pick it up. I said, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do that. And so here I am with my wife, and we're driving back, and, and, and her mom doesn't know that we're coming. And, and we get to the house, and we walk in the door, and surprise, there's people everywhere. There's streamers. And my wife is confused. She just doesn't get it. How did they know we were coming back? You know, she just, it, it took a few minutes for her to get her bearings before she finally put the pieces together that her loving fiancé was in on this surprise. Well, this story, God is in on a surprise for these magi. He's going to surprise them with overwhelming joy. This is the title of my sermon today, the Surprise by Joy. It's, uh, um, the words joy or joyful or rejoice is a major theme in the scriptures. It, they, this word occurs more than 430 times in the Bible. We come to this story, we don't get a lot of background on these guys. We, we just open to Matthew chapter 2 and surprise, here, here are these guys and they're, they're looking for the king the one, the baby who, is, who by virtue of his birth is, is born king. And it prompts, or it should prompt, a critical question for thoughtful believers. Why would three, and let's just assume there are three, there's three gifts, there's a lot of speculation. How many wise men were there? We don't know. There were three gifts. But let's just assume there are three guys. Why would these three Persian astronomers, these magi, why would they travel 800 miles. That's how far it was from, from Jerusalem to, to Persia. That's like from, from here to Amsterdam or here to Iceland. 400, I'm sorry, 800 miles. Why would they travel 800 miles to worship the king of the Jews? Now, there's a lot to unpack with that question, and I want us to consider a few motivations. What, what, what might have motivated these guys to go and worship this child thing, uh, king? First, surprises, of course, take time to plan. 400 years prior, 450 years prior to this event in Bethlehem with the wise men, 450 years prior, the Jewish nation was not in Jerusalem. They weren't in Israel. They were in exile in Babylon. Babylon, of course, became Persia. 
And the Jews were in exile for 70 years, but the Lord had told them, you know, this, don't, don't get irritated with this exile. I want you to settle in, you know, build houses. He told them, uh, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters. They're in exile. This is a, this is a judgment for, for, for generations of rebellion against the Lord. The Lord judged Israel. He put them into exile, but the Lord never abandoned them. He was always good on his promises. But he said, while you're there, I'm still going to bless you. While you're there, you still can find the stuff of joy. Settle down. Plant gardens. Have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I have planted you in which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It's a good way and a good reminder for for us here in Belfast to pray for Belfast, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, eventually, the, the Jews who were in Babylon, they came back from captivity. They came back to Israel, but not everybody came. Some of the people stayed. They, they intermingled with the Babylonian culture, and it is quite possible that the descendants of Israel, that these, these, Babel, these uh, magi could have possibly been descendants of Israel. At the very least, they could have been influenced by the descendants of Israel who still believed in a coming king. So the first possible motivation for these magi coming is that they've had influence from other believers. Other believers have spoken to them. There's going to be a ruler one day. There's going to be a a, a king, a messiah who will come, who will deliver us from our sins. So first motivation is the influence of other believers. Now the second motivation, the prophet Daniel, and he was also in the exile, he wrote a book And in that book, he wrote a timeline. He told them in chapter 9 that there's going to be 490 years until the ruler would come. Now, you take that timeline, and then you take all of the Advent scriptures that we just read. You guys read Advent scriptures in the month of December from Isaiah and and Jeremiah and Micah. You take all of those scriptures, you put them together with an astronomical phenomenon, and all of a sudden, There's something to look forward to. There's something to seek after. The second motivation is the word of God. They had the scriptures of these prophets. You know, they they, they had the influence of believers telling them that that a ruler is going to come. And then they go to the word of God. God can work with these influences. So the first one, influence of believers. Second one, the word of God. And as there is often with our curious search for the Lord, there's always something else at work. Not just other people telling us, not just what we're reading, and, but, but the Lord is at work in some mysterious way. Now, dreams and visions are not ubiquitous in Scripture, but they were in Luke chapter 1 and 2 and in Matthew chapter 2. These people are having visions everywhere. The angel Gabriel is coming to speak to the Virgin Mary and to John the Baptist, uh, well, his parents. Uh, the, the, Joseph is having visions They both have dreams. Joseph and the Magi have dreams at the end of chapter 2 of Matthew. And all of these dreams are the Holy Spirit prompting them to something else. And so we have three possible motivations. We have the influence of other believers. We have the Word of God. 
And we have the prompting of the Holy Spirit, both internal and external. But here's the thing. All of those promptings, are these enough? What does it take to get someone wise to leave their home, to, 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 to gather great gifts of wealth, to travel by foot, maybe by camel, 800 miles. This is like a five or six month round trip to worship the child king of another country, of another people. Can you imagine the Irish getting enthusiastic about an English king? <laughs> Which is why it was so incredible and surprising that the Magi are so motivated. This is a big trip. Have you ever met a brand new Christian? You know, somebody who's, who's, who's just found that the life of Jesus Christ is, is all they need. They're, they're on fire. They're hungry for the Lord. They're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You know, I, I don't know if you've met some of these folks, but... When you meet someone like that, it's, it's easy for us who have been in the, the Lord for a while to, to kind of get uneasy around the excitement, you know. It's, it's, it's a little much. We're not sure. And, and if we're not careful, we can, we can have a little contempt for their excitement. Maybe we can, we can put a, 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 wet, a wet blanket on that excitement. And, and we got to be careful not to, uh, not to do that, you know. It's a joy of new life and new hope. It's a, it's a surprise of, of, uh, of salvation. And we, want, we don't want to discount or discourage the energy or the joy of new believers or show contempt for their enthusiasm. This is what's going on. The Magi are excited. They come to Jerusalem. They meet with the religious people and the king. And they say, where is the child who is born king of the Jews? And it's interesting that these foreigners, these guys are not Jews. They're Persians. They have more excitement about the fulfillment of prophecy than the religious scholars, than the Pharisees and the scribes. And I imagine that sinking feeling that the Magi must have had when they arrived in Jerusalem and they were told, the baby's not born here. You're not going to find him. You've, you've come all this way for nothing. You're going to have to travel five more miles to Bethlehem. They've come 800 miles, but they only have to travel five more miles to Bethlehem. We were touring the North Coast uh, and, and yesterday, and we went to the Giant's Causeway. And if you've ever been down that path of the Giant's Causeway, it's, it's so long. It's like 10 miles. And, and, and we, were, we were walking, and I was thinking, you know, it's, it's bitter cold, and the wind's blowing, and I'm not really properly dressed. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, we're going to round this bend, and it's going to be right there. <laughs> and so we rounded a bend, and, and it's like three miles still that we have to walk. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this, this better be worth it. <laughs> and it was. You guys live in a beautiful place, uh, and we took some amazing pictures. The Magi arrive in Jerusalem. They've come all this way, and they've got this little short distance to go, five miles. But five miles, that's how far Bethlehem was from Jerusalem. That's how far the scribes and Pharisees, that's how far the religious people were from their Messiah. That's how far away they were from their salvation. 
and yet they weren't seeking after him. They were content with their religious routines. They were content with just doing things the way they had always done. And these Persians, excited, full of faith, they want to see the fulfilled prophecy. The Apostle John tells us, Jesus came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This is a miracle. These Gentiles who don't belong to the family of Israel are coming to worship the king of Israel. They're coming to find the Messiah. And they become children of God because he loves us like that. How often do we miss the movements of the Lord because they do not look the way we expect them to look? Is it possible that we have grown stale in our walk with Christ, in our religious routines, and and perhaps grown uninterested in in, in the way that the Lord is working and, and being present when he's actually doing things in our community? Why would they make this trip? Was it the influence of the Babylonian believers? Was it the scripture? The religious people in Jerusalem had all the same information. And they were only five miles away from Bethlehem, and yet they didn't make the trip. Was it dreams and visions? Was it that internal prompting? You know, for believers who are already walking with Christ, this is the stuff of of discerning the will of the Lord. How do we know the will of the Lord in our lives? Well, these three principles apply. It's, it's, it's the influence of other believers, the influence of the church who see things in your life that perhaps you don't see, who can tell you, look, I think the Lord is calling you into ministry. It's the word of God when we, when we seek God for answers and we go to the scriptures and we find them. It's that internal prompting of the Holy Spirit who, who sometimes tells us and, and opens our, our, our eyes to something we never thought about, you know. Uh, maybe God wants you to go into the ministry Perhaps the Lord wants you to be a missionary. You've never thought about that. Well, if we, don't, we don't go by one of these alone. If the Lord says, you know, I want you to be a, a missionary, and you say, well, I need to hear from, from the scripture, and I need to hear some other believers affirm that in my life as well. But how do we discern the will of God? The same way these magi were discerning that it's time to go to Jerusalem. For the magi, making that kind of journey on the basis of a star alone didn't make sense. It wasn't just the star, it was acting on it. Not just the influence of people in Babylon, but acting on it. Not simply reading the truth of the scripture in Daniel or other prophecies, but stepping out in faith to find out if there's something to it. What does it take for someone who does not yet believe to choose to go the distance to seek after Jesus? You see, we all have the same information. We know the story of the birth of Jesus. We know the story of his life, his teachings, his death and resurrection. We know what what the cross has done for our lives, for our atonement, for the forgiveness of sins. We know what the resurrection has done to give us new life, to live in the righteousness and the holiness of God. We have the influence of our families and friends who've walked this road before us. We have the scriptures at our fingertips We might even have dreams of Jesus. What does it take for us to gather up all these motivations that we have been given and take that first step 
or that next step of faith to, to join that class or that men's or women's group to, to, uh, to start that journal or, or, or open the Bible and begin reading? What does it take for that next step of faith, to, to get alone with God away from our devices or our, our cell phones? I don't know if that's as much of a problem in Ireland as it is in the States. It's, we always have this thing in our, in our hands. What does it take for us to put that down for a while, to get alone with the Lord to, to call out to heaven for answers and then to open the scriptures legitimately seeking to, to find answers to those questions. Are we with the curious magi who would go the distance to find out if it's all true? Are we more like the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? We've got this. We've settled into our routines. We have the information, but we'll let others seek it out. So let me close with this thought. You know, the Magi, they, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They were delirious with happiness. I tell our people sometimes, are you filled with the joy of the Lord this morning? And they say, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they will tell your face, you know. It's, it, the joy of the Lord is in this place. We don't have to walk five miles. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us right here in this place. When we take steps of faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, we discover that God had already taken crucial steps towards us. We love because he first loved us. We look around and we see how God has been ordering our steps, surrounding us with influences that would bring us to this place, allowing us to, to hear the word of God, to be fed by the Lord, inviting us to take that journey of curious discovery. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Ask, seek, knock, for whoever asks will receive, whoever seeks will find, whoever knocks, to them the door will be open. Surprise. It's for you this morning. Believe the good news of the gospel. The Lord loves you with an everlasting love and has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born into this world to save us from sin and to give us new, victorious life. This is the life we have in Christ. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that by your grace you have saved us, that you have redeemed us. That by the work on the cross, Lord, you have atoned for our sin. Lord, it is not by works lest we boast. By the work of your son, Jesus Christ, and because of that we praise his glorious grace. Lord, we look around the world and certainly it is, it is broken. So many suffer from disease and sickness, from war and famine. And Lord, we cry out to you as your people. We cry for mercy. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and feet where we may. That um, for the suffering that we see before us, that we might rise up and be the hands and feet of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us who, who, who are on the edge of, of, of seeking you, we're not really sure if, it, if it's all true or not. Lord, give us the faith to, to take that next step. 
Lord, allow us to, to have the curiosity to find out what else you have. There's always more. Your grace is so great. And we are so not. And so fill us, Lord, with your spirit that we might live victorious and holy lives. This we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen.